Morning, church. Thank you. How you been? Did you miss me? Yeah, right. Okay. Actually, I did miss you guys. I want you to know that. Um, and I'm glad that you're here. I uh, looked at our website this morning, and I'm still the lead pastor here. That was kind of good to see. Uh, that hasn't changed. Uh, we do have uh, some first-time guests. Uh, we don't want to point you out, but there's one that I really do want to point out. And uh, I got to meet him uh, on Monday. And uh, Dustin and Jenny, you want to stand there? And this is Landon Velkamp. I particularly like his middle name, uh, which is John. Um, that was a very good choice. Not for me, but from family. I, I get that. But how old is Landon? One week. One week old. One week old today. <laughs> and all sisters, and you got a son. Congratulations. Congratulations. Welcome this morning. You look great. Praise God for his goodness. And so we are glad that each of you are here this morning. I just want to again say a big thank you for this last month. I know for some it was stretching. Uh, I'm glad that I don't have to preach multiple services this morning. That's kind of fun too. But at any rate, you folk welcomed my brothers with open arms. And uh, as I have talked to these pastors, uh, they were absolutely thrilled to be able to minister here to the feedback that you gave them and just the welcome that they received. I am convinced that some significant bridges were built over this last month. Some walls came down and uh, there are some next steps now that we're going to talk about next month. But for most of these guys, this was their first ever pulpit swap. Uh, they took a risk um, and I believe God is going to use it significantly. Uh, Southside again is the tip of the spear. They weren't uh, trading pulpits with each other, just with us. You all understand that. And so uh, it was significant, a uh, huge step forward, and now we're going to see what God does next with all of that. But uh, thank you. That has been a part of my burden and vision ever since I came to Sheboygan. And uh, finally, after these years, we're seeing some solid forward motion. And so thank you, church. Uh, this was a wonderful experience. Did you like uh, the guys that came in? Weren't they wonderful men of God? Yeah, yeah. Uh, grateful for each of my brothers. But today we begin a new series, as Derek mentioned, called Generosity Revo Revolution. We're going to take today and kind of build a foundation for what's to come over the next few weeks. Now, I am thankful for the thoughts and insights of Chris Willard and Jim Shepard in Contagious Generosity that's helped me understand more about this topic. Uh, and as Derek mentioned right off the bat, it has far more uh, to do with a, a lifestyle than it does with money, so don't get hung up on that point. Uh, but how do we fit these terms together, generosity and revolution? Uh, they're kind of different words, so let's begin by putting them together. I think it's important this morning that we define some terms so that we start with a common language, all right? That brings great unity when we have a common language. So generosity, here's how we're going to use the word. A readiness to give or share more than is necessary or expected. So it's a willingness, a willingness, a readiness to give or share more than is expected or necessary. 
I think we all get that term. I'm not going to spend more time with that. Now, we go way over to the other side, and we talk about a revolution. Uh, that's kind of a, an edgy kind of word, and, and I like it. Uh, revolution, the way we are going to use it, is a forcible overthrow of the old in favor of something new. A forcible overthrow of the new in favor of the old in favor of something that's new. So let's then think about this. We got a revolution on one hand. We got genera- uh, generosity on the other. How in the world are we going to put these two terms together and make sense? Well, the generosity revolution needs to happen. It's a forcible overthrow of something old in us in favor of a new system of sharing more than is necessary or expected. Okay? So that's the definition we're going to be working with over these next weeks. A forcible overthrow of the old so that we might come to a place of sharing more than is necessary, more than is necessary or expected. Now, why are we talking about a generosity revolution? Because, by and large, statistics show that many Americans really aren't all that generous. I want you to get thinking about that right now. Americans aren't really all that generous. We like to think we are, but are we really, according to statistics? Well, almost half of us don't give away any money to any cause at any time. Zero. Nothing. Hmm. Most Americans, six out of seven, don't even give away 2% of their income to help someone else or anything else. That's kind of sobering. And even when we are generous with time or talent or treasure, the motive can be selfish, and that's what Notre Dame researchers call the the paradox of generosity. What does that mean? Well, it means this. Even when we do give to others, it's often self-centered and self-serving. Huh? How does that work? How can I be uh, generous and it be self-serving? How does that work? Now, I'm not going to have you answer right now, but boy, when I talk to other congregations and have them answer... Whew, they weren't used to doing that. So it's good to be home where you guys actually give me uh, feedback. <laughs> yeah, sometimes too much. Um, but uh, it's good to be back home. <laughs> you see, when we give to others, it makes us feel good about ourselves. Right? When we give to others, it can make us feel good about ourselves. But if that becomes the end goal, feeling good about ourselves, then generosity can in fact be very, very selfish. Hmm, interesting thought. And in the case of something like the ice bucket challenge, you all remember, letting people know what you've done on Facebook is a part of the self-gratification that comes when we're generous. Gee, look at me, I'm a generous person. And so we've got to dig deeper then and begin to look into our hearts what's really there because some folk that are generous are really quite selfish. Ooh, and this takes a work of the Holy Spirit to begin working through our heart and finding out what's really there. The truth is, we're really not all that generous. When it come, comes to money and time and skills and relationships and generosity, we would all agree and we would all know that letting go, giving away, is the right thing to do. I'm sure it's the way your mom raised you. Share your stuff, would you? Right? It's just the right thing to do. And it is fulfilling when we are generous. I think we would all agree with that. But it's not all that easy, as Aaron shared with us in the whole foster care kind of situation. This is especially true in our American culture, in which our media constantly is constantly bombarding us and generating messages of fear, scarcity, and insecurity. Constantly, constantly coming at us. And whether it's a terrorist attack or a shark attack, 
or the next economic apocalypse or global warming or the next winter storm warning. We're living in a culture of fear constantly. What's going to happen next? And we're fearful about this. But we can't be generous and fearful at the same time. That's true of an individual. It's true of a family. It's true of a church family. We can't be fearful and generous at the same time. Those don't go together. Something's got to give. So what's going to happen here? Now, while some folk are generous, many others are not. Many of us do give away a sizable portion of our time, our money. We volunteer. We go out of our way to take care of family, friends, and neighbors. We're doing the right thing. We give blood. We donate organs. Uh, we, we go and, and help here and there around the world. Good. That's cool. And at the same time, many don't give or volunteer in any capacity here in this country. So where are you? Where are you? I ask myself, where am I? Are you a generous person? Would the people sitting next to you that came with you this morning say that you're a generous person? Okay? Are you a part of a generous family? Is your family generous? Hmm. Are we a generous church family? Huh. Something to think about. Something to think about. A generosity revolution will set us free from the conformity to this fearful world that we live in here in America and align us with God's generous plans that he has for us here on earth if we're open to that. Here's the way Paul put it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Now, in our American culture, the behavior and customs of this world are one of great fear great fear. So we're not supposed to copy that, but rather let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you feel. No, changing the way we think. God wants to change the attitude of our heart, resulting in the way we think being different, and then the way we act, and then the way we feel being quite different. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, the greatest form of generosity is the kind that was generated by God himself. Would you agree with that? If we're going to look for generosity and where it started, we begin there. God, the infinitely perfect giver, the author of generosity. He wrote the book on it because that's who he is. God's generosity is super abundant because it's rooted in his character and nature. God can't help but being that way. That's who he is. He is generous. That's what the Bible says. Now, some of us will see God as our father, as this mean disciplinarian who is constantly whipping us into shape and making life difficult so we uh, obey him. Ah, uh, that's a wrong picture uh, from Scripture. God is abundant in all that he does. Now, the Bible boldly and simply declares this, God is love. We're going to work on some Scripture memory this morning, okay? What I want is the reference, then the verse, then the reference again, okay? Scripture memory. Okay, the passage is, 1 John 4, 8, God is love, 1 John 4, 8. Okay, now, don't look at the screen, okay? Because this has got to be memorized, right? Right in here. Don't look at the screen. All right, so let's do this together. 1 John 4, 8. Where is that found? Okay, we're rolling. Now, stay with me here. The most well-known verse in the Bible reminds us of just how generous God is and what generosity looks like. It's found in John 3:16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Man, I'm used to different translation. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have 
eternal life. See, I have to read this. But the point is this. <laughs> for God so loved that he gave. For God so loved that he gave. We've got to put those two things together. A generous God will show it and demonstrate it by the way that he acts. Because we can say we're something, but it has to show up in our actions because faith without works is correct. Right? So when God says he's generous, he demonstrates his generosity by giving. And what did he give us so generously? The best that he had, his son, the only begotten son. And so it's like father, like son. Here's what Paul said. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is generous giving us his son. Jesus is generous giving us his grace. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that his, by his poverty he could make you rich. Now, forget the prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about anything like that. We're not talking about material wealth. We're talking about richness, meaning, purpose in life. That's how God makes us rich. That's the abundance that he has promised us. Now, Titus said this. God generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Generous, because God is generous. That's who he is. That's his character. That's just the way he works. Now, Jesus was a living, breathing embodiment of a generosity revolution. Jesus was revolutionary. We would all agree that a forcible overthrow of the old in favor of a new system, of sharing more, giving more than is expected or necessary. What did he do for you and for me? How did he show his generosity to you? He died. Is he dead? He also showed his generosity by what? Rising from the dead. And where is he now? Seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. This is our Jesus. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And so he laid down his life for us, being tacked to a cross for nothing that he had done but for your sin and for mine, so that we might have a relationship, a love relationship with God. That's what he did for us. As Jesus' followers, we are part of that revolution. Now, I have to stop here and ask that question. Do you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus? Do you know his generosity? We have to stop there because if you are separated from God because of what we've done in the past, he wants to make that up, and that's what he did at the cross. And if you've not encountered that, we can't go much further. We can't possibly be a generous person until we've known the generosity and the grace of God. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know his generosity? Here's what Isaiah said. Let the wicked change their ways and, and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive. How? generously do you know the generous forgiveness of god that will free us from our shackles that will enter us into a relationship with god do you know that love do you know that generous abounding love if you do say amen, amen. if you don't man we'd like to chat with you right afterward to share with you how you can know that generous unending incredible love that he has for you now, beyond our salvation, he loves to give us all good gifts. Would you agree with that? God's a good gift giver. He really is. Here's what Jesus said. You parents, 
If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? They ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? He loves to give good gifts. He loves to give more than expected or necessary. And the gifts just keep on coming. Here's what James said. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. And man, he's got a whole storehouse of gifts. He just wants to lavish generously on his children. The act of generosity, giving the gift, the gift itself, they flow from God above. That's what James is telling us. God's generosity is always practical. His gifts are always perfect, always custom-made just for you. He's an amazing, amazing God. Now, God alone is the ultimate source of every good and perfect gift because that is who he is. He's generous. He is generous. I hope I'm making this point. Okay? Got to make the point. God himself is generous. He has given us so much. Now, what I did is I took the Bible and I said, okay, what has God given us? If he's a generous God, what has he given us? And here's just a sampling that I found from Scripture of the gifts that God gives us, right? I'm just going to read it very quickly. But be in tune with the Holy Spirit because he's going to put his finger right on one, right on one of these because it's for you, okay? So here's the list. Here's what God gives us. This is just a partial list of the things that God gives us. God gives us birth, life, long life, the crown of life, eternal life. He gives us drink, light, power, authority, peace, relief, the spirit of wisdom, repentance, forgiveness, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, comfort, understanding, insight, children, a discerning heart, singleness of heart, joy, rest, hope, and a future, victory, deliverance, strength, discretion, blessing and in fact whatever we ask whatever we ask whatever we ask according to his will and in his name he will give to us is that an amazing god or what is he generous of course he is extremely generous now our glorious god sends to us a continual stream of gifts cascading from heaven down to us the verb tense there in james indicates god's generous gifts are continually falling down from heaven on those who love him. Wow. A familiar phrase in the Lord's Prayer says this, give us this day our daily bread. It's a reminder that God gives to us generously and constantly. He's not going to stop. We don't have to be afraid that it's going to dry up, that it's going to quit. He is our unceasing provider. We can trust him. You can trust him. Well, that thing that's in your life right now, you can trust him. You can trust him. And he is generous. Now, as God's children, we should also reflect the character and nature of our father. Would you agree? If you're his child, shouldn't you reflect the character and nature of your father in heaven? Yeah, absolutely, we should. For the Jesus follower, generosity is not just for special occasions or when we're in that kind of giving mood, right? Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh. It's got to be a constant priority for anyone who strives to live and love and give like Jesus 
does for us. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are two kinds of people in this room. There are givers and there are takers, right? So which are you, giver or taker? Let's have all the takers stand and you move over to this side. Nobody, okay. All the givers, no, we're not gonna do that. We're saying, oh, we're all giving people, aren't we? Are we? Hmm, hmm. The takers use without giving back to anyone or anything. What a shallow, stingy, selfish way to live. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Here's what the Bible says. A few verses. The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Don't be mean-spirited and refuse someone. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. And remember this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds is going to get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Oh, okay. That's not karma. That's not karma. I came here from a Buddhist culture and karma, you know, and all that kind of stuff. No, that's not karma. That's the law of sowing and reaping from Scripture that God designed. It's not karma, right? If you sow small, you're going to get small. You sow big, you're going to get big, right? That's why we must have a generosity revolution in our hearts. Why? Because we're all selfish. All of us are selfish. I'm selfish, I'll admit that. Are you selfish? Ask the person next to you, they'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. We're all selfish. That's why we all need this generosity revolution in our hearts. As we've already mentioned, it's far more than money. I'm reminded that everything that I have is a gift from God. Everything that I have is a gift from God. Everything that I possess, from the clothes on my back to the shoes on my feet, to the children and grandchildren around my table, these are all gifts from God. They are borrowed. They have to be returned to the rightful owner in good condition, right? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it aggravate you when you let someone borrow something and it comes back all busted up or used up? Yeah, it's like, come on, what? I was generous with you. Now, the issue before us is not whether God will generously provide. He's already promised to do that if he is the Lord of our lives, but rather, how am I going to respond to this generosity? How am I going to respond to this generous God in heaven who's constantly cascading incredible gifts down on me? How am I going to respond to this generosity? And I've got a choice to make here. Developing a culture of generosity in a heart, in your home, in a church family begins with an understanding of who owns what. And we'd all say God owns everything. We all say, of course that's true. We need to be reminded of this. It's all God's stuff. It is not mine. S.M. Lockridge, a preacher from yesteryear, said, Christ's lordship is based on his ownership, and his ownership is based on his lordship. Here's what he said. God didn't have to put his signature on the corner of the sunrise because nobody's going to cause the sun to rise except him. He's the creator. God didn't have to put a laundry mark on the lapel of the meadows because he's the owner. God didn't have to carve his initials in the side of a mountain because he's the owner. He didn't have to put his brand on the cattle of a thousand hills because he's the owner. He didn't have to take out a copyright on the songs the birds sing because he's the owner. He owns everything, everything. However, from the moment we can speak, it's a struggle. We like to think we're the owners. And parents of young children, little babies, they begin to grow. They did like to hear the new baby's first words, mama, mama, da-da, da-da. Soon there's another word, not so nice, mine. 
Mine, no, mine. Ooh, we don't like that one. And you may think you own your house or your car, your computer, your clothes, or it's your room, or it's your cell phone, or it's your iPad. No, 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 it's not yours. You, you know how you came into this earth? Naked. You know how you check it out? Naked, we're going, all right. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, you're not taking it with you, right? It's not ours. So since God is so generous with us, let's be generous with God's stuff. It's not even ours. It belongs to him. It all belongs to him. And watch what happens. Isaiah 32, 8. Love this verse. Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. I'm going to unpackage this a little more next week. Generous people plan to do what is generous. We're not going to see a commercial on TV with a kid with a distended belly from Africa and suddenly go, ooh, I'm going to respond to that moment. But we're so impulsive. But this says very clearly, generous people plan to do what is generous. It's a thoughtful, reasoned approach. Hmm, more about that next week. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, let me ask you a few questions. Do you believe we serve an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, generous God who can create resources even when they don't exist or can't be seen? Do you believe in that kind of God? Ooh. So allow me to ask you again. Are you a generous person? (laughs) If not, what needs to be forcefully overthrown in our heart and then in our thinking so that we are ready to share more than is expected? What needs to be forcibly overthrown in this my heart, in my relationship with God, in order that I am ready and willing to share more than is expected? What needs to happen in my heart? If we are generous and we think we're generous, are the motives sincere or are they a bit selfish? Look at how I give. Makes me feel real good when I do. That's not the motive. It's a response to the generous grace that God has given us. That's the right, that's the pure motive. I'm doing it because of what he did for me. Wow, no strings attached. And I'm then willing and ready to share more than is necessary or expected. Let's be reminded as a church family that when God calls us to do something together, it's always going to be beyond our resources and our capacity. It has to be. That way God alone gets the glory. And as we prepare the church's budget for the annual meeting at the end of this month, the critical question is, as we prepare a budget, what do we need to cut to survive as a church? That's not the right question. What is God calling us to do next? And what he calls us to do, he's going to provide. Where God guides, he will provide. I am convinced of that. And so for these past months, I've been wrestling. We need to get this young man on staff here full time. I believe that is the will of God. I am very, very grateful for the giving over these last weeks while I've been gone. Maybe I should be gone more. I don't know what's happened with the offerings. They're fantastic. Good. But I believe that's a response from this church family, a generous response to the will of God. I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced of that. And so, Lord willing, Pastor Michael will be on here full time one month from now. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. 
because we're going to show this, this family, they have taken a step of faith saying, okay, we're leaving behind a really good salary and a secure job and all that stuff. We're going to step into ministry because God's calling us there. We're going to count on God's people to provide for us. That is on us. Can we be generous with those who step out in faith? Yeah, yeah, going to be okay, going to be okay, right? Let the generosity revolution begin. In our hearts, my heart first, Lord. I want to be more like Jesus in this area. And I know how selfish I can be. I don't want to be stingy with God's stuff. I want him to get the glory. Whether it's time, talent, treasure makes no difference. We need to put it back on the altar where it belongs. It's his anyway, right? That we might serve him faithfully. May that revolution begin in our hearts, in our homes, in our church, and well beyond. You with me on this? Great. All right. Any questions or comments? Boy, I threw this out to a couple of congregations. And it was like, uh, do you guys ever talk in church? Uh, uh. I said, okay, you can. It's all right. It's all right. And then they started asking me questions. It was like, oh, there are questions here. Good. Question or comment before we close? Everybody understand? Just laying the foundation. Okay. How many of you are seated near a generous person? Would you raise your hand? All around. Wonderful. Can we be more generous? More like Jesus? A little less selfish? And I believe the Lord's put his finger right on something in your heart that says, Okay. Yeah, let's stand together, church, shall we? Hey, it's great to be back with you. Good to be home again. I believe God's got some wonderful stuff ahead for us. And as we are generous, as we fight off the fear that's outside of these walls and we show our generosity outside these walls, folk will be attracted to the most generous God that we serve. Let's pray together, shall we? Uh, Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your generosity that you have shown us. And as we think about Good Friday and Easter Sunday and what you've done for us, the generosity that you showed us by taking our place for our wrongdoing, for our selfishness and narrowness and pigheadedness. Oh God, oh God, might we leave this place with no more shackles on us when it comes to this issue. Free us, Lord Jesus, that we might walk in the light as you are in the light. And God, I pray that for each of us in our hearts right now, with what you're tapping on, and when we talk about this as a family together, how can we plan for generosity? And in our church family in general, Father, would you... Be so kind as to point out our areas of deficiency to free us from them and to fill us with your heart of generosity so that the world may know our great God. And Father, as we release now to be your light into our world in the coming week, uh, would you give us great joy as we go about our task 
might we be generous because you're generous. And we'll thank you together. In Jesus' name and together all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week. Lord bless you.